0: So the next two weeks are devoted to one question, and it's pretty simple, which is, why do bad things happen to Christian people? Okay? Now, it's pretty much the same answer as like the wider one of why do bad things happen to people, but uh, this is specifically dealing with why do bad things happen to Christian people, because it seems a little bit more difficult to understand. After all, if we have the great treasure of Jesus Christ, if Jesus has paid for our sins, then why suffer? We've preached on the glory of God in chapter 3. And this is like big crowning verse, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And so this glory of Jesus Christ that we get to behold as believers, because through Jesus Christ, The penalty of sin is taken away by the Holy Spirit. We are brought near to God the Father to behold all the glory of God being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ from one degree to another degree, on and on, infinitely. And you might think that such people beholding such glory with the ultimate power of God working within us, might not have to have our dogs die. It's like it's really sad when the dog dies. You know, you're reading a book and you're like, man, I really hope this dog doesn't die. But then, lo and behold, they have to die in some tragic way. You might not think. You might not think there was much suffering involved when you have verses and and really promises like this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, as we say, why do bad things happen to Christian people? We want to... We want to make sure we're not being glib at all about this. That we're not missing, like, like, the depth of the, like, bad things is pretty, like, vague. Like, some people be like, oh, it's the end of the world. My celebrity person is, like, dating someone I don't like. Like, <laughs> now, life is hard in, in just the mundaneness of it. Like, who loves their work 100% of the time? I do almost all. I mean, Kathy, you serve blizzards. Like, <laughs> you literally serve happiness. So I, I could see how that would be awesome all the time. Um, but why can't I spend time doing the things I enjoy instead of doing things for other people seemingly 100% of the time? And I suspect this feeling is more acute in mothers than other people. Why are relationships so difficult? I mean, there are hard relationships between people who should have the best relationships like mothers and children, different sisters and brothers and even husbands and wives. I mean, that's the one close relationship you literally signed up for, like they had vows, unless you're like from India and you had an arranged a marriage. But you literally signed up for it, and you're like, "Wow, maybe I made a bad decision here." And even in like the best of marriages, you're gonna wake up one morning and think and look over and be like, "Man, this was a really bad idea. Why did I get myself into this?" Because relationships are hard, and it's like, like, like God, like if I have the transforming power of Jesus Christ in me, why can't we just like get along with my wife all the time? Like, why is this just like? Love you, dear. (laughs) Besides this, there are there are physical pains in life. You know, I I think I'm a pretty nice guy. And then like a year ago or something, I had a headache for like half a day. It's like the first time in my life is crazy. And and I'm like the most miserable person alive. Like I can't be nice to anybody if I have just a little bit of pain once. (laughs) There's a man I knew uh, in in my old church and he lost his leg when he was maybe in his twenties and and like the way that that like physical loss like kind of made him bitter for the rest of his life was always something that i looked at and be like man that is that is that is like the hardship of of physical ailments that just like keep going on and then there's the kinds of pain that are just beyond what you could ever imagine um, I, a while ago, I was reading an Alliance Missions book and kind of Alliance Missions, you know, when it was at its like apex, when they're saying that the most missionaries was in the 1930s. A lot of these missionaries were to Southeast Asia. And then World War II hit and many of these missionaries ended up in in internment camp, concentration camps, Reverend Russell Dabler worked in New Guinea, spent a year with malnutrition, beatings, and rats, finally dying of dysentery in some far-off camp. So, I probably don't need to tell you about the sufferings of life. You can probably think of a hundred things that are, that are terrible. And we're gonna to try to look at, just send, to answer, why. But first, I'm gonna try, like I did on my first, like, Valentine's Day with my wife, lower expectations a little bit. Because when the whip of suffering is especially acute, like there's no intellectual answer that is going to be like, "Oh, that's going to make it better." There's only a wordless groan to God for help. And so, so as we give answers, we realize we're like we're just giving partial answers here, but this is what God tells us, and it is for our good, and when we dwell on these truths, we will be better equipped on the day when everything breaks to face it. Trusting God instead of turning away. Because even though we see only dimly, we do see something of God and it is good. So, let's take hold of them with humility and grace and let's look to the Bible. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. The Old King James was like earthen vessels, which is, which is, uh, is like vessels made of the earth, uh, a pot of, of the earth, to show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So, couple of questions one what is this treasure the treasure is just before verse 6 for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and this is the glory the glory of actually knowing God in this relationship and this is the good news of the gospel That God is not something just to be obeyed, but God sent his son in the image of man to the earth to live a life to suffer like us and ultimately to die on the cross in our place. On the third day, rising from the dead, ascending to the Father. But the free gift is that everyone who trusts and believes in this name not only gets the amazing treasure of eternal life, but it's not just eternal life, there's a treasure here. Like the treasure is not just eternal life. The treasure is the shining of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ coming into our hearts. Like the treasure is something that we get to grasp right now. And this is the hope of the gospel, not just some ticket into heaven far off, but that we would be transformed by the glory of God right now as we look into the face of Jesus Christ. This is the treasure. The treasure is seeing Christ In all his glory, through the Holy Spirit, by the mercy of God the Father. And this is the treasure, the treasure of this light and this beauty and glory of God that we have in jars of clay. jars of clay, on, on one hand, a jar of clay is something that is... Fragile. So this gets to the fragility of our experience, the, the earthiness, look, literally like earthen vessels, like the earthiness of our vessels, that, that, that we in our bodies have dirt. Like, this is like we're just made of dirt, and we're headed towards the dirt. And what happens if you take a clay pot and you drop it on a hard floor? I used to have a house with all tile floor. Like, anything you dropped on there. Smash. It breaks. Things break easily. And even more than this, I, I said, so, so the jars of clay speaks to our fragility. It's also an interesting thing because, so... Paul's opponents, you suspect, are pointing to the fact that Paul has had all of these, like he's maybe having some physical problems, and he's been, you know, suffering so much. His opponents would be like, well, you know, are you going to really trust the minister of the gospel that is, like, not that impressive of a person? But Paul's saying, like, like, no, because if you had a treasure, where would you hide it? If you had a treasure, where would you hide it? Now, you might put it in a big, heavy safe. Lock it all up, put it there. And that might be one idea. But here's another way to hide a treasure. To, like, put it in something that doesn't look valuable at all. But it's, like, it's like nobody's stealing my 2006 Pontiac Sunfire. If you want to, you can deal. Like, 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 because it just doesn't look valuable, they don't know what an awesome car it is. It's just a sweet treasure. But in the same way, God has hidden this treasure of the light of the glory of God in vessels that don't look impressive. But the fact that it doesn't look impressive, if it's this priceless bit of art, the fact that it is in a burlap sack does not make the treasure any less valuable. It just means the owner doesn't want it to be discovered yet. Paul answers very quickly, and this is basically, like this is like shit, the whole sermon. We're like five minutes in. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We're weak. We suffer. We have a myriad of issues in this world to show that the surpassing power it's amazing, like surpassing power, like the power of God, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. If we really look like what we truly are, if people could see us and see like the actual transforming power of God working in us, that they would be tempted beyond their ability to actually worship it. Like look around you, like look around. Like if, if we could see like Jesus, like shining out from these jars of clay, like we would be tempted to worship. That is how great the glory of God resting in every heart is. But God obscures his power in weakness. So that everyone would see that it is God's work and not our own. Now, from this, if we learn that our comfort is not the highest good. What possible reason could God have for my suffering? And and, and we need to let go of the lie that, like, my immediate comfort or even Freedom from pain and suffering is not the highest good. Now, it's a good thing. I don't want to say it's like, you know, we don't want to make suffering like a God. But God's glory and honor is more important than my comfort. And the sooner that, that, like, I can let go of this, the sooner I can let go of so many of my sins so many times I feel like I have been wrong because someone has impeded upon my comfort children have been noisy so I cannot read my children my wife gets annoyed because I like to look at my phone while I'm going to the bathroom and I'm like why are people in getting in the way of my comfort but when I let that go and be like no actually like there's something more important than my comfort at all points and times and that is god's work and will in this world our suffering saves us from idolatry our suffering saves us from feeling god's presence in a certain way to feel like that is what Like that we are the thing instead of the God who sustains us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Every time that we suffer, it is an invitation for us to look to God's glory instead of our own. Every time the world is broken and like things aren't working, every time we feel the weakness of our vessel, of our bodies, is an invitation to look to God's power instead of our own. Now, what does this suffering look like in our lives? Paul shows us. It's not pretty. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair i love uh someone translated this at a loss but not lost i love that it's really funny like not driven to despair in chapter one paul is like we despaired of even life itself and so paul even like he's felt like despair but he realized like god has not ended there persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed if treasures in chars of clay, if you thought it only meant like backaches, it goes far deeper. Afflictions, persecution, struck down. Literally, Paul was struck down himself. But Jews coming from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now this gets to the flip side of the jars of clay, that even though that we are fragile, even though we are prone to breaking in different ways, that not one hair of our head will fall apart from God. For with God, this is the longest point I've ever like had up on a sermon, but excuse me. With God, all of the things that we may fear may kill us, all the things we fear may kill us, will not kill us. Even the things that kill us. Your hardship is not pointless. Your hardship is not random. It is not outside of God but an invitation to look to God, to trust him, and to see his glory displayed. Even in the hardest situations, affliction, persecution, literally being stoned, dragged, and left for dead, God is still there, God is working, God is powerful. And so even though we are fragile and weak and prone to every kind of frailty, we can boldly live out God's plan, who even getting stoned, gets up and goes to the next town to do his work. With God, all of the things that we fear might kill us will not kill us, even the things that kill us. And that gets to, like Stephen, he was stoned not to rise again in this time. And yet, they did not destroy him at all. So, number one, our comfort is not the highest good. Second, with God, all of the things that we fear may kill us will not kill us, even the things that kill us. Three, Christ's glory shines the brightest on the darkest day. In all of this, we look to Jesus. When it gets right down to it, in suffering, all of the intellectual answers fall short. But one reality never falls short, and that's the reality of Jesus Christ Christ who walked among us, suffered with us, died in our place. Paul, after saying that we have this treasure in jars of clay, gets to the practical of like, yes, the jars of clay means everything bad you might think it means, and then gives the theological reasoning behind his statement. Always carrying in the body the death, probably better, dying, of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested, that is like shown, shone out, in our bodies. Well, salvation is that we have been united to Jesus Christ in such a way that his benefits accrue to us, and our sins and frailties accrue to him. But this union goes, goes so much deeper. So Paul can say stuff like this he, all the time. It's like, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this doctrine of taking Christ, you'd be like, I've accepted Jesus Christ into, our, into my heart. And we tend to think about that in kind of a, you know, I've accepted the part of Jesus that gets me into heaven. Or maybe if you matured a little bit in your Christian life, it's like, I've accepted Jesus just as my Savior. I've also accepted him as my Lord, that he is, you know, he can tell me what to do. But we need to accept the whole Christ. The whole Christ. In fact, it's interesting here. Uh, Paul, Paul, uh, Paul usually, like he uses Christ a little more than Jesus. But here, we're talking about Jesus' life. He is death of Jesus, life of Jesus. Like he doesn't use Christ at all because he's really thinking of this is Jesus' life. Not just as earthly, Jesus while he was on earth. So when we accept Jesus, the whole Jesus, we don't just accept him as as salvation, we don't just accept him as Lord, but we accept him in his whole life. And his whole life is not just this little bit for salvation, but Jesus Christ, who was betrayed by one of his close companions. Jesus Christ, who suffered want and hunger. Jesus Christ whose body screamed out for pain on the cross we always are carrying about the dying of Jesus so that at the same time as this like dying of Jesus is with it we accept it, the whole Christ that the life of Jesus may be shown even more Because on the darkness of the day, like like when the day is the darkest, the light shines the brightest. And so God, in the canvas of our life, when we are in darkness and trust in Jesus, when we walk through suffering with him, the light of Jesus shines all the more. And this is just manifestly true. If you see people in the hardest times, trusting Jesus day by day. Wow. Wow. Does, does God's light ever show up? Does Jesus' life ever show up? And like just may we do the same thing. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He, he like restates it. And, and I always say I it always because this is like this is this is the life. It's like always given over to death. Paul doesn't gloss over suffering. But when we experience it for Jesus' sake. Jesus' life is shown even brighter. Christ's glory shines the brightest on the darkest day. All right, I'm gonna close with a short manual for Christian suffering. Number one, will you suffer? Yes. Why? We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God has left us weak in one way, in one way. Weak in one way so that we could show God's surpassing power in the weakness. And so we get to hold both of those things at the same time in our bodies, and that can be hard, but when we know the purpose and when we know God, what God is doing, we can be armed to face this with faith rather than creeping bitterness, which is always at the door. Especially when we look around and be like, man, I'm suffering a lot, but that person, they're really not suffering all of that much. I don't know why. Our comfort is not the highest good. God's glory is... So people would see God and not us. Yes, we have a treasure, but we have it in jars of clay. So that people would look to the Christ who saved us instead of us. I will let you down, but Christ will not. Even the best Christians have feet of clay. And this is so that we look to God and not to them. And so that we look to God and not ourselves. How do we suffer? Oh, we suffer in every way, afflicted in every way. Every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We suffer in many terrible ways as believers, but with God, all of the things that we fear may kill us will not kill us, even the things that kill us. Just like Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. For when it's the darkest day, if we only look to... For even when it is the darkest day, if we only look to Christ, in Christ, we can know that Christ's glory shines the brightest on the darkest day. For truly, we are always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Ultimately, in suffering, we get to show the whole Jesus, the Jesus who suffered for us, but even more than that, the Jesus whose life will never be put out. Let's pray.